Our current sermon series is uh, Our Bible, the Question Book. Now, it's all right to see the Bible as the answer book, but the reason it is the answer book is because it asks the right questions. In fact, some of the questions the Bible raises are questions that many of us are afraid to raise. Today's question is found in the book of Genesis, kind of obscure, but here is the question. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Your translation may be a little different because I noticed uh, that uh, the Pew Bible says, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? I think that was the King James, but at least... The interesting thing is that the Hebrew word behind the first word and the second word are the same. So this is the meaning. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? That is, if it is in his nature, if that is who he is, then that's how we should expect him to act. This is found in the middle of Genesis passage about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I found when I got into this that I had never really studied this part of the Old Testament. I, I, I know it's a story of terrible judgment of these cities that represent evil, very dark culture, that Abraham was aware of. I know that Sodom kind of stands for the cities that were destroyed, were really five cities that are mentioned that were destroyed as part of this great judgment of God. And uh, I knew about the drama of Abraham rescuing his nephew Lot because he knew the city would be destroyed and I, I knew that story. And then I knew that in the middle of the story, there is a threat of a sexual assault that is so graphic that the name of the city has been identified with a sexual sin, which is also seen as a civil sin in many cultures. And particularly the uh, uh, assault of, of a male uh, against other males so that it became kind of synonymous with homosexuality. And if you ask most people in the world if they've ever heard of Sodom, they'd say, oh yeah, Sodom, sodomy, sodomites. Well, <clears throat> the interesting thing is that's not what the story is about. And it, as harsh as that is, and as difficult as that is, the story really has roots in, the, in this uh, text around it that we should be clear about. This is actually part of a continuing story about Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19. Abraham was called by God to be the father of a people through whom he would reveal himself. 
He gave a covenant name. And by the way, through this passage, that name is always used of God, the name Yahweh. And he gave that covenant name to Abraham and said, you, would be, you will be my special people. And then he raised the law as given through Moses and then the temple and the system of sacrifices that were part of the temple and ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that comes out of God's selection of Abraham. So right in the middle of this is our key question. Shall not the judge of the earth do what is just? Can God condemn all the sinners who deserve it and still be just? On the other hand, can God show grace and forgiveness to sinners and still be just? That is the paradox that Abraham deals with in this passage. Now, the truth is, nobody knows uh, where these cities were. Apparently, it was already an ancient story when Abraham, uh, when, when this was written down about Abraham. And this story went way back to a time when there was a, a massive destruction, maybe the result of volcanic action. There are some people who believe that the Dead Sea, that area of Palestine, was originally the valley where these five cities were located. But at any rate, what happened there was awful. In Genesis chapter 19, 24, we read, then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord of the heavens. Now, this is a, something you artists would love to paint. Here's the way one artist painted it. Uh, th that, that, that's catastrophic. And Abraham and the family are moving away. And you have Lot's wife looking back, if you remember the story. Lot's wife looked back in longing. She turned into a pillar of salt. That's her out in the middle. This is used in the account of Abraham as a dramatic background for a revelation about God, a self-revelation about God, and how he came in the midst of the awfulness of society and planted the seed of our salvation. Beginning in Genesis 18, with the earlier appearance to Abraham, we find that God comes to him. It's very mysterious. Sometimes it says the Lord spoke to Abraham. And then it says these visitors or men spoke to Abraham. If you look in Genesis 18 too, he looked up and saw three men standing near him. Three men. And he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bound down to the ground. These three men become very important. In chapter 18, verse 16, it says, Then the men set out from there. In 18.22, it says, The men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But in the beginning of Genesis 19, it says, The two angels came 
to Sodom in the evening. Now the men are called angels. And in 1905, they're called men again. And in 1910 and 1912, they're called men. And in 1915, we read, and when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, say, saying, get up and take your wife. Well, this is really mysterious. What is really clear is that Lot saw them as angels, but the people around him saw them as men. Abraham saw them as the Lord himself. And the change between the number three and two, some people think the Lord and two angels are represented. But it's very, very strange use of language here. But I think that's intentional. So we understand God was visiting in a special way. So the sin of Sodom becomes legendary. Actually, in the rest of the Old Testament, mostly in the prophets, we repeatedly read about the sin of Sodom. And as Sodom was destroyed and so forth, 18 times in the prophets. When you go to the New Testament, you find Jesus himself referring to Sodom twice. And then in the letters and other, in the letters of Paul and the other apostles, there are another four times. It's really interesting that in all of these letters, the sin of Sodom is never identified with sexual sin, except in Jude, that Old Testament book just before Revelation, in which sexual immorality is referred to. Most of the time, the sin of Sodom is just their total turn from God, their alienation, their disregard of him. But there's another theme that's really powerful in the biblical account in Genesis 18, 19, and then in the references later on. And that is, has to do with hospitality. Hospitality. Look, in that 18th chapter, verse, uh, this, of course, hospitality in the Middle East is a value that we in the West failed to appreciate. Even your enemies have to be treated with respect, with hospitality. This is a modern Syrian family, but this was true in ancient days in all the Middle Eastern cultures. In Genesis 18, 1 to 5, where this account begins, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass, let, pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. Now here are these, these three strangers that encounter Abraham. He goes out to meet them. And then he said, uh, uh, let a little water be brought and then you all may wash your feet and rest under a tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you may be re refreshed and then go on your way. And that's the way you treat visitors who just show up. That's the way you treat them, right? Very well, we'll do as you say. And so they stay 
And then in the next few verses, Abraham, he said, I'll bring you a little food. He goes out and has the best calf in it slaughtered, prepare food for them. All the best of everything. And he's going to be the host that these people will remember. And that theme is pretty powerful. And then in the beginning of chapter 19, in Sodom itself, the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them, bowed down his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet, spend the night, and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they said, we'll spend the night in the square. Now, that was a dangerous place. And Lot said, no, you got to stay with me. And he prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. So once again, Lot, just like Abraham, was showing his hospitality. And it was then that the incident took place where the people in the town said, hey, we want to take them, we want to know them, which is a sexual assault that they had intended for these guests. And Lot, he didn't know what to do, but the two men, who were really angels, pulled Lot back inside and he said, we'll take care of this. And all the men were blind and they changed their mind. So, so these uh, angelic visitors would assert themselves when necessary. But here you have Lot following the same pattern of showing that Eastern hospitality. Now listen, when Jesus used the term Sodom and Gomorrah, Matthew 10, his disciples were being sent out and he said, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. What? Okay, they'll welcome me. Well, yeah, because that's the way the culture was. Jesus counted on that. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So that's the one connection Jesus makes with Sodom and Gomorrah, hospitality. There's an interesting phrase in Hebrews chapter 13 and uh, verse one, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. A clear reference to the story and, and, and a reminder of our own weakness in this area. I mean, in our day, in our culture, I think of refugees. I think of homeless people on our own streets. Now that value of hospitality, I think, is powerfully behind our text this morning. And the text is right in the middle of all of this, and it's totally strange, okay? So bear with me, beginning with Genesis 18, 16. Then the men set out from there, and they looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them and sent them on their way. 
The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? No, for I have chosen him, that he may charge his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, how great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how very grave their sin. I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I want to know. So the men turned from there toward Sodom, and while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Now here are the angels and this conversation has gone on, and the angels are go on to the city to do whatever they had to do, and Abraham stands before the Lord. Now, if you go into a commentary, you're gonna find out that there's a more ancient reading that the Lord stood before Abraham. Now, since a person who is the subject is the one who comes before the sovereign. That idea of the Lord standing before Abraham was intolerable. So that, that was changed somehow. But think about what that means. Here is Abraham calling God to account. It's very, very strange. So as I read it, think about this. I want to suggest to you what's going on here really is, is a debate imagined by Abraham, a debate in God's mind. And God is really laying the case before himself. Now let's read from verse 23. Then Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do any such thing to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Be far, far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? There's our question. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Are you not? Are you not committed to being who you are as God? Wow. And the Lord said, if I find at Sodom 50, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered, let me take it upon myself to speak to my Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Well, settle for 45. Again, he spoke to him, suppose 40 are found. For the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, do not let my Lord be angry if I speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. 30. Well, let's go for 20. He said, let me take it upon myself to speak to my Lord. You know, he's very polite. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, 
For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, do not let my Lord be angry if I speak just once more. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Whoa, 10, let's go for five. However, the next verse it says, and the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. Now, if we think of this as a really, as Abraham's imagination and all the people who, who followed Abraham, including us, our kind of trying to imagine what God thinks and that this is a debate between God and God about how he can be just and at the same time justify how he can be true to his nature as the righteous judge. So let's go back and look at verse 22 when it says, the men turned from there and went before Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. This is the beginning of this dialogue. It's, it's very striking. Some commentators have treated this as one of the most uh, powerful moments in the Old Testament and in the preparation for the gospel of the New Testament. Verse 23, then Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep the righteous, sweep away the righteous with the wicked? I was surprised to find that, that this translation is kind of loose and glosses over the power of the question. The word anger is in here. And the question literally is, will your anger sweep away? Uh, will, are you gonna get emotional about this, you know? Are you, is your anger going to determine how you handle this situation? Are you letting the anger get the best of you? So, you, so that your judgment spills over from the righteous to the wicked. So that those 50 or 45 or 40 who are righteous get hurt. Okay? And then uh, in, uh, in verse 24, when he says, suppose there are 50 within the city, will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the fifth 50? And then the wicked, can the wicked, if wicked, we know that the wicked can bring down others. As the shooting, the wickedness of one man killed 10. We know wickedness can spill over and hurt the righteous, but Abraham challenges the opposite. Can the grace of God spill over and save the wicked? Verse 25, far be it from you. Well, there's another place where the translation is, does not give you the total color of this because literally, this is a very strong word here for uh, profane. The word profane is in here. So it would be, Will you profane yourself? That's what it says. Will you insult who you are by judging the righteous and allowing them to be hurt? And that's where our verse comes in. Shall, or our question comes in. Shall not the judge of all 
the earth do what is just. Abraham sees this all about God's character, all about God's consistency, his predictability, his honor. The judge and justice, they're the same Hebrew word. Everybody wants justice, right? The prosecutor wants justice. Yeah, give him the max. Defense lawyer wants justice. Oh, look, they're extenuating circumstances. They see justice differently. But they all think justice is what they want. But there are so many lessons in this passage. Think of one. I'm, I'm as good as the next guy. Yup, that's the problem. Here's another. The numbers in Abraham's dialogue with God reflect the popular idea that we have that God keeps score. How many sins can a person get away with before he lowers the boom? And here's the biggest challenge that this question gives us. Am I, are you, asking God to be someone he isn't? Are you counting on him not to be true to his own nature? When you hate that person who's done something wrong to you, and in your mind you hope he goes to hell, are you asking someone, God, to be, God to go against who he is. And when you slip up, because when you do it, it's a slip up. When the other person does it, it's an awful sin. But do you slip up and then expect the God always to look the other way? Are you asking God to be someone he isn't? Shall the righteous judge not judge? The question. Now I understand this uh, slogan, uh, only God can judge me, which shows up on t-shirts and tattoos. Understand it comes from Tupac Shakur. I looked it up and found, yeah, he wrote a song that starts off that way and then immediately gets into some uh, language I can't share with you. but. Think of that question. Only God can judge me. Does that reassure you? Does that reassure you? Because you've defined God the way you want him to be? These are hard questions that are raised here. Sodom and Gomorrah still suffered the judgment of God. But the righteous, some of the righteous, in quotes, escaped Lot and his family. There's a scripture in the New Testament, and, and Lot was saved not because of Lot, but because of Abraham. One person intervened. And there's a passage in the New Testament I'm going to leave you with, Romans chapter 3. Abraham got God down from 50 to 10, and he stopped there. But he could have gone down to 1. Romans 3 21, but now, apart from the law, the justice of God has been disclosed. Now, I've 
use my own translation here because all the translations change the wording here, but this is the same word, justice and righteousness in this text. When it says God justifies or God makes righteous. So I've put the word justice in each time. But now apart from the law, the justice of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The justice of God through the faith of Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through the forbearance he had passed over for the, sin, the sins previously committed. It was to demonstrate at the present time his own justice that God is being true to himself so that he is just and he justifies the one who has the faith of Jesus. Paul got down to 10. God gets it down to one. And the one in the Old Testament story is Abraham intervening for a lot in his family. But in the New Testament gospel, the one is Jesus Christ. And this is how God can be true to who he is in dealing with us and the rest of the world. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Yes. That's who he is. And he has found a way to be both the judge and the justifier of the guilty. So you can say, you can say with thanksgiving, and you can even put it on your arm, only God can judge me. With thanksgiving, not with fear. Lord, thank you for patiently revealing yourself through so many generations to bring us the word of good news and joy and release and forgiveness through the one, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.